Clap, clap your hands and stomp your feet. You're listening. You're listening to the Clap Your Hands podcast, hosted by Elliot Shore Parks and Kyle Newbeck. Here they come. December 15th, trade candidates. I went through the trusty uh, trade machine and I put some trades together that work on the machine. The NBA trade rules are so complicated. I spent about 15 minutes today figuring out if uh, I'm going to mispronounce his name, of course, but Bohan Bogdanovich from the Pistons could be traded or not. Some said one website said he could not be traded because he signed an extension after training camp. Some there's a ton of articles saying he can. So So I just signed an extension. I believe he can't be traded for. I want to, it's either six months or a year. I don't yeah. remember. I'm misremembering it now, but I, I doubt he can be traded now. He's not on the, uh... well, I believe you and I will not go through that trade, but I'll just let you know, there are tons of articles out there saying he can be traded. So there needs to be some consensus given um, here. But so I went through and for those that don't know, December 15th is a deadline where, or not a deadline, the first day where players that were not eligible to be traded can be traded. There are a few Sixers who are eligible to be traded now. Uh, Harden, P.J. Tucker, uh, House, and Montrez are are eligible to be traded. Um, don't think they're going to trade Harden. I don't think they would trade P.J. It's an interesting discussion on whether they would. I think it'd be smart to do if you could do it for somebody. But the tough thing about the Sixers trade situation is they just don't have a lot of movable pieces. Tobias makes $37 million, which is really hard to match up for an equal type of talent. Tucker makes 10, but he's old and not playing well. Milton makes eight, Thibel makes four, and Ferk makes five. Outside of that, it's a bunch of guys that make around $2 million. So there's not a ton of options, but I will, it, I'm sure you're excited for this. I will go through and give you the trades that- uh, Excited to say no up. to every single one of them. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so if it were living in a world where Bohan, uh, Bohan can't be traded, I did come up with um, him Pete for PJ Tucker, Ferk, and Montrez. I mean, obviously, Bohan would give you a ton of shooting. He's on a $19 million deal for three years. The Pistons aren't winning anything. It seems like he's going to be traded um, if he's allowed. But PJ Firkin, Montrez, you doing it? I mean, I would do it just because I like Bogdanovich. I don't love his contract. Like, I don't love that he's on an extension now. Yeah. I don't want that money. Like, here's the thing. I don't want long-term money tied up in almost anybody right now if I'm the Sixers, and that includes Tucker. Like, Mm -hmm. if you're moving PJ, a win-now type guy, like extreme win-now guy because he's as old as he is, I don't necessarily want to have somebody coming back that's got – I would rather get an expiring contract contributor. Yeah. And then you head into this summer – and you say, all right, if we can move Tobias and lose money there, or if you just trade them into salary space, you can get really creative with the sort of stuff you can do in free agency. If not, then you're really in the same position you're in now where you're not really functionally any different as a contender. Like, I don't think Bogdanovich changes who they are or what they can do as a team. I think maybe he's a he's a better offensive player probably a worse defensive player for the purposes they need him for. Mm-hmm. He's got, he was at one point like a pretty credible defender of bigger wings, but I don't think he's that guy anymore. He's like, okay. So you're still in a spot where I'm, I don't really trust them against, uh, I don't trust any of their top options in that example 
to defend, you know, the Giannis's, the Jason right. Tatum's. The, so that part is still a problem. And look, I ultimately think that PJ is probably going to be fine as long as Harden is in the lineup. He's going to get wide open threes in a way that he was not. Yeah. And he has um, been playing, he has been playing better since Harden got back. He had yeah, like he's he's made game. some shots. He looks okay. He's still doing the the PJ Tucker stuff that he's always yeah. done. So, so I, I still tend to lean toward you know keep things as they are. I don't think it'd be a bad trade because like Trez is a wash. Furkan doing pretty much nothing. Like he he'll give you a good shooting night every once in a while, but uh, isn't doing much. Is basically just a contract. And then PJ is as we just discussed. So yeah. it's not a terrible one, but I wouldn't be jazzed up about it is what I would say. Well, good news. He's the best player on the list. So it should get more fun from here. Oh, boy. Um, all right. Buddy healed always seems to be tied to the six. Automatically. No, I'm out. Automatically. <laughs> no, you wouldn't do Tucker Ferk and Thibel straight up. He's I think, I think he's an apocalyptic. He's an apocalyptically bad defender. I, I, think I do not is. care, buddy. He can shoot 38% on, and well, to piggyback off what you said, I agree that look, defense matters. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not a complete idiot when it comes to that, but I do wonder if they're just going to have to focus on offense because they don't have enough good defenders anyway. You know, well, that I, is true. And that's why I would consider something like a Bogdanovich type deal. But Buddy Heald is so bad that he changes everything. everything. And yeah. if you have, like, for example, if you play minutes where you have Harden, Buddy Heald, and Tyrese on the floor at the same time, you are going to just get absolutely destroyed. It's just, yeah. it's a lot of off ball issues, guys dying on screens switches where the other team just sets one screen and they have a favorable matchup and they go right at that guy. And then Joel is in a position where he's coming up higher. He's having to you know, do things that they don't want him to do. You want him back toward the rim so he can protect the rim and rebound on top of that. And if you're drawing him out because you're getting beat on the perimeter, basically every other play, right? you're going to end up giving up a lot of offensive rebounds. Buddy Heald is also not especially athletic. Like he's athletic in the sense that he's young, he can get open and run young. around screens. Yeah. yeah. He was, he wasn't young when he came in the league. Yeah. But yeah. He, I think he's he, been in a few years now. Like he'll run a lot and like come off of screens and he'll do that kind of stuff. Like he's not out of shape or anything, but in terms of making recoveries on defense and making reads and playing uh playoff level basketball, I'm very skeptical. And like, so my belief is not that you need to have, perfect defenders at every position, right? The problem mm -hmm. is that they already have enough issues with the core guys, mostly the backcourt, that you don't want to add another one-way player into like a big-time role. And if I'm remembering correctly, Buddy's still under contract, what? Yeah, I think he has a few more years. Yeah, and I don't yeah. want any parts of paying him for several more years. If, it, if he's on an expiring and you're just saying, look, we're loading up, we're going to get a gunner, and yeah, we're three more years. We're gonna try to score 140 points a game or whatever. Yeah, fine. I could maybe be talked into that, but I don't want him long term at almost any cost. All right, so here's what we'll do. I'll say the name, and you tell me if you want to hear the trade or if you just have zero interest. Whatever. Sure. Jay Crowder from the Suns. Yeah, that I would entertain. He's a like a guy who's actually been in some playoff wars. Would you trade PJ for him? I think he's Maybe. an upgrade from PJ. I think he's a better. Probably, but I, I think they would probably ask for more. And I don't know. 
it depends on what it is. Like they don't have a lot of draft capital right now. If it was like mm. PJ and a pick, I'd probably do it. Now I think the shooting downgrade, I, he's not the the corner shooter from my memory that PJ is. Um, he has had some good shooting moments during playoff runs. So yeah. he's certainly a guy who can get hot. Um, and he's a, a credible defender on switches and all that. So uh, I'm not anti um, I, but I don't, I don't think it's worth paying a premium to get him. That's what I would say. All right. Patty Mills, backup guard, gives him more ball handling, a uh, decent three point shooter. Any interest? Who are you giving up for him? I He's had, making like what? 6 million or something. Yeah, like some, that? So I had house and uh Montrez. Oh, I mean, the Brooklyn would probably not do that, but I would do that because, well, I think I like House more than a lot of people just because he's a guy who's at least playable in the playoffs. Right. He's going mean, to be like, only playing 12 minutes a game for what it's worth. It's not yeah. like they're, they're not using him a ton. Yeah. And he is like the quintessential can't defend anybody. Like he's just horrendous yeah. on that front, but it, there are worse guys to get than an instant offense guy who could maybe swing a game in the playoffs. All right, so the next one, a person Sixers fans are very aware of, Andre Drummond, the Bulls, upgraded backup center, obviously. Seven, seven and a half rebounds in 14 minutes this year, so still doing what uh, what Drummond does. And it's a tough thing is finding out, figuring out who they could trade where it's of good value. I mean, Thibel, maybe the Bulls talk themselves into the upside a little bit, young. And I'll tell you, Mark Eversley, who's in Chicago's front office, was like a big pound the table guy for thigh ball. So well, they've, had, they've been connected to him before. So that would not be uh would you do Drummond? Would you, would you trade Drummond for him? I just, oh, I'm not giving up to get Drummond. I'm not giving up resources for a backup center. I would say like, I, regardless of who it is, I would rather just like Joel's going to play 38 minutes, maybe 40 a night in the playoffs. And that's, that's really what you're like. They, their options the the net rating for Paul Reed is ugly right now, and Montrez has not been very good. But I tend to think we're going to see a lot more small ball in the playoffs anyway, which is another reason I'd be reluctant to trade PJ. Like as much as he has been bad shooting the ball, or especially during James's absence, yeah, he's somebody who can unlock a lot of things if you play small ball in the playoffs, and he's he's big enough that he can hold guys up, but he can still space the floor. And do all that. And teams, at least for now, are treating him as a credible shooting threat. It almost doesn't matter if he's missing those shots as long as he's being defended. Because whether it's Tyrese or James or whoever it is, they'll have the middle of the floor to attack. And so that stuff's really important. Like I I think, I don't know if they'll actually do this, but I think they should be playing almost no backup center minutes, depending Mm. on the matchup in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, the other part of that is now if Joel goes down, you're screwed no matter what. So it's not right. like having a backup, a better backup center helps you there. I just know that the backup center has been a huge issue for them. Um, Bruce Brown of the Nuggets. I think he's exactly what this team needs. Athletic, can shoot, kind of a 3 and D hustle guy. I don't know if the Nuggets would trade him. That's a tough part, but uh, any Yeah, that's the problem. Like, I, I think he's a really good, versatile yeah. player that a lot of teams would want. Like him and... Um, who had a guy who hasn't played this year, but another guy sort of in the same mold as Gary Payton, the second Portland Portland signed, I believe with the mid-level, um, but hasn't played yet this year. 
two similar guys that I would, I think would fit well. Now, whether they shoot well enough is uh, another he's on, story. But... He's on 39% this year on three threes. So he's right. shot it. Well. But I don't know how much I believe that. Like he historically yeah, has been, that's been the big concern with him is he does pretty much everything else at least decently well, mm-hmm. but teams are going to leave him open. Now, if he makes open shots, then he's way over overperforming his contract. So he's only making like $6 million. Um, yeah. All right. So the last two I'll say going in are, are a bit of a bit of for the bit, I guess I should say my boy, Noah Von Ley eligible to be traded. Oh, no. They need to upgrade a backup center. He can step in for Joel Noel for Montrez. You pulling it just for me. I would hope you would do it just, just, to, I mean, just for my mentions on that day. I think that would, be I mean, for you maybe, but in general, no, uh, like no. I said, the backup center thing is not really. A, yeah. And I guess you don't want to put more pressure on Joel too. So I just move on. From oh that. But, <laughs> um, the last one, I think this would be the most unpopular trade in the history of the Sixers. I would, Almost want to see it just for the reaction. Are you ready for this one? Um, just preparing for it. Okay, ready? Austin Rivers for Paul Reed. Oh, that would go down. That, <laughs> you're right. That would. Yeah, could like, you was, imagine? Honestly, I don't think Austin Rivers is very good anymore. I think it's time as a. Uh, now he's also on a really bad vibes team right now. Yes. Not that he'd yeah. be joining like the Good Vibes Express in Philadelphia. Right. Shout but out. I don't think I don't think we need the. Uh, <laughs> the drama that comes with that because that would also and it's not fair to him but this would happen because his dad is already under so much fire here to yes. bring in a guy that ultimately signal it that signals to the fan base like well they're not firing Doc yeah, doubles down so exactly he's gonna get unfair amounts of crap from other people because of that so yeah under almost no circumstances would i trade for him and i like look I'm higher on Paul Reed than it seems like Doc Rivers is. I was, and I, I think that's a safe assumption. Yeah. And I, but I do understand, you know, I certainly think if they were able to get a decent pick for him or like a decent role player who's actually going to get nightly minutes, I would still probably do it because if you're not going to use him, and honestly, he's like a flip of the coin night to night, whether he's going to be good or not it's not the craziest thing in the world to sell the upside to somebody else and say, Hey, you just give him a thousand minutes that he can play and develop. And we have to go out and win now. Like we haven't talked about Isaiah Joe shooting, you know, high forties from three this year, which I know everybody's going nuts about. I I think it's worth noting. He's still barely playing in Oklahoma city where they're not really trying to win games. And his sample size on that is what, like 73s or something like that. So, I, I mean, credit to him. He's looked good in some limited runs, and he had a big moment uh, early in his tenure there. But uh, I tend to think you learn a lot more about guys when they're in situations where they're actually expected to produce and help win games than when it's like, yeah, this is a free-for-all. And yes. you just, we're well, going to give Michael- you minutes because we have nothing else to do. It's the Michael Carter Williams thing. I mean, when he was here, you know, that rookie year, he was able to be awesome because nothing mattered and he could do whatever. Not that he ever ended up playing in meaningful games, really. But ultimately, he proved to be someone that can just put up numbers on a bad team. But no, I mean, Doc trading for his son and trading out the player that Sixers Twitter seems to very much absolutely love. love. Yeah, just the content alone, people would explode. But all right, so I think we're all in agreement. December 15th, probably not going to bring any significant help to the Sixers. Um, 